This is our eighth session. I think it's the final session on these pieces of armor. We're going to focus on these last two together. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with readiness of the gospel of peace, in all things taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So these two we focus on. Father, I ask, as we come to the close of this armor, that you would fit us out to be valiant and effective warriors for the sake of the gospel of peace. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Helmet of Salvation Salvation in Ephesians has been both present or past and then present as well as future. We call this very basic verse from chapter 2. By grace you have been saved through faith. So salvation is past. It has happened to you. It is very secure, as you see here in Ephesians 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In other words, this salvation is going to survive. It's going to last. You're going to be kept. There's a guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So we have seen that the helmet of salvation is secure in a past act, is happening now, and will be secured in the future. And therefore, it's not surprising if you go over to 1 Thessalonians 5, to see the parallel of this only other use of helmet like this in 1 Thessalonians, its future. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. You can see how Paul uses this in a more extensive way than just faith. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So back here, in verse 17, it was just the helmet of salvation. So now we get clarity that it's the hope, the helmet of the hope of salvation. So when we put this helmet on, which protects our head from lethal blows from the evil one, it's really a putting on of the active heart work, mind work of hoping in our salvation. He goes on, for God has not destined us. So he's talking about the future now. And he's grounding this hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation from future wrath. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, in other words, whether we are awake when Christ comes or whether we die, we will live with him. In chapter 1 of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, we see this future rescue from wrath. We wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So that's future salvation. When Paul speaks of the helmet of salvation here, and then clarifies it as the hope of salvation, now we know that the main focus is very likely here on he's going to come and save us from God's wrath. We don't have to be afraid of future judgment. Here's Hebrews 9 saying the same thing. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So future salvation from the wrath of God. So here we are to put this helmet on. And if you put this helmet on, your life will be guarded from lethal head blows from this evil one who will not be able to destroy you because you are trusting, hoping in this final decisive deliverance from the wrath of God. So this one, this evil one, cannot destroy you. Now, let me relate that to the next one, indeed, to all of these pieces of armor. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you let yourself just ponder this for a moment, you realize, well, I guess this really isn't a distinct and separate weapon, is it? Because the Word of God is where you hear about the hope of salvation. The Word of God is where you hear all the promises that you are supposed to trust when you lift up the shield. The Word of God has as its essence and center the gospel. The Word of God tells us what is right. The Word of God is the truth. And when you ponder it, you realize. These overlap, <laughs> virtually all of them overlap with each other, and Paul is just being lavish in his use of language and images to show us how much God has done to protect us from the evil one and from all those horrible enemies back here in chapter 6, verse 12. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. Now, how does this work? How does the, the Word of God become a sword? Why is it called a sword? That's the one offensive weapon in all of these, right? A shield or a bless, breastplate and a shield and a helmet, they're all defensive to keep you from being destroyed by some weapon. A sword goes on the offensive. 
How are we to think about that? Let me suggest this as a parallel in Romans 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, in other words, if the flesh rather than the Holy Spirit is the primary force in your life, governing your life, you're not saved. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die forever. But if by the Spirit you kill the deed. So here you have the Spirit pictured as a weapon. It's by the Spirit, as if he were a weapon in your hand. The Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. So there's a warfare here, and your life depends on it. And the Spirit is portrayed as that by which you kill sin in your life. So you come back here and say, okay, the sword is probably what's being spoken of there because he says, with the Spirit you put to death, and the sword is the one piece of weaponry with which you can kill people or kill sin in this case not people, then the Word of God is that weapon. And we find that we are putting to death the deeds of the body, that is, the sinful temptations of the body, in the very same way we were using the shield of faith to protect us from the evil one. Because when the Word of God announces the superiority of God's promises over the promises of the sin that's about to destroy us, then we believe the Word of God. Right here, we believe the Word of God, and in believing the Word of God, we stick the sin with the sword of the Word and put it to death. And so we rescue ourselves from destruction by believing the Word of God. Really, the same dynamic as we described in the shield of faith. One last point. You, you might think, wow, this really sounds serious. A helmet keeps you from getting a lethal blow. Like if you don't have a helmet on and somebody puts an axe to your head, you're dead. A helmet protects you from destructive, lethal blows, which means we're not playing games here. And if you say, well, wait a minute, I, I thought you said way back at the beginning from chapter 1, verse 12, that we were secure, guaranteed. Let's read it again. In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. You were sealed, secure. God's stamp on you can't be broken with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. The seal guarantees our inheritance. We're not going to be lost until we acquire possession of it. And that's right. But now, why would you infer, or anybody infer, that that means you don't need, you don't need a helmet? If you say, oh, I'm secure. I don't need a helmet. I don't need a shield. I don't need a breastplate. I don't need a belt. I don't need any shoes. You're going to go to hell. 
you see what you're saying? You're saying, I know better than God how to fulfill this guaranteed inheritance. God says, I'm going to get you to your inheritance. Oh, yes, I am. Everybody who has truly believed on me is sealed, and I'm going to get you to your inheritance. Yes, I am. But I'm not going to get you there without truth and without righteousness and without the gospel of or the shoes of readiness. I'm not going to get you there without a shield. I'm not going to get you there without a helmet, without a sword. If you say, I don't need a sword, I don't need a helmet, I don't need a shield, I don't need a breastplate, and I don't need the truth, I'm secure. You're not secure. You've thrown away God. You've thrown away the Bible. You've thrown away the Word of God, which is able to keep you. So I'm pleading with you. Don't buy in to the kind of teaching about eternal security that says you are secure in a way that can make you throw away Jesus, throw away his word, throw away his armor, and still think that you're a Christian. The evidence that you will make it to the end is that you put on the armor, and oh, how sufficient the armor is.